Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish a common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you said I'm checking it so in 2020, Juju Schuster had a grand A dot of 5.2. As I've mentioned before in YouTube content and also on this podcast, there are very few. In fact, I can't think of a wide receiver to get that much opportunity on that small an A dot throughout the entirety of a career and it's actually consistent if you go into the weekly data from week one to week two occasionally he spiked up to around six seven at one point an 8.3 a dot but for the majority of the season he was operating below that line and that's where the average a dot of five comes from again volume to a 33 to a tune of 33 percent dominator rating or based on the stat we use more commonly for NFL statistics, a 16.5% opportunity share for wide receivers is kind of unheard of. On that ADOT, he had 0.8 yards per team attempt, which is relatively low, but relatively very efficient and good because he is good with that kind of ADOT. And that's kind of how his whole season reads. It looks like a player getting weirdly low valuable opportunity for a guy who's had a 14 100-yard season, and yet being exceptionally good on that opportunity, better than I think most actually could be. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard. This is, in fact, a member of the DLF family podcast, and I write stuff for DLF and stuff, and we've got a draft kit and stuff, and you should probably check that out. But this episode was meant to specifically about Juju Smith-Schuster, because I'm hearing two very different narratives on him when I say I like him on Twitter, basically. Um, But it's taken on a more broad tone. It kind of incorporates some of what I was talking about last week as well into buys and sells. And the difference between value and actual value when you're thinking about ADP and what might be true in your league. So at least that's where my head's at. So that's what I'm going to be talking about for about 30 minutes. Uh, so, So I hope you enjoy it, I guess. Um. Alright, so, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kenny Galladay, Stefan Diggs, Odell Beckham. These are the guys that come to mind when I think of um, any of them. They really fall into the same category for me now. Odell Beckham and Stefan Diggs, and even Kenny Galladay, are operating a slightly older age. It's worth noting that Juju Smith-Schuster was 24 last year. He's 25 now, which means at his ADP, which is around about the 4th or 5th round, According to March ADP, which obviously is going to change, um, he's actually one of the younger players being drafted in that range with as much proven production. However, the two narratives I hear on him the most are one, he's underrated, and two, he's the most overrated wide receiver. Now, I think the most overrated wide receiver comes from 
mainstream NFL content because I th- I think they take their eye off the ball sometimes, and I think the NFL specifically is more of a counting stats league. Not that counting stats are bad, they're just not telling the story. Juju Smith-Schuster has been disappointing. I drafted him as a top 12 wide receiver last year and didn't get that, but for maybe two or three games last year, including the very first game, and then everyone forgets that by the end of the season where he got two touchdowns. And uh, actually, I can look it up. What what was his actual yardage total? 69 yards and two touchdowns. Ni- ni- nicely played, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, again, if you look at his weekly data, every time his ADOT actually dips into the range of what a wide receiver typically gets, he gets a pretty good game, apart from maybe once. In week one, he had an ADOT of around 5.2 and got those 69 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, in week, what is this? Week three, he got 43 yards and a touchdown, which isn't great, but it's still a reasonable outing, and that was an ADOT of 8.6. Um, in week seven, he got a 7.5 dot, and he had 85 yards and zero touchdowns. Again, that doesn't do it for you in fantasy because that's like, what, eight points? But that's where his high yardage games come from, except for when he manages to do it on an exceptionally low ADOT. Um, 7.1 in week nine, um, he had 93 yards and a touchdown. That's his other good game. Uh, the next week he had a 6.5 A dot with 77 yards and a touchdown. And I remember getting excited that maybe they were adjusting his usage up. But no, it plummets back down to 4.6 where he gets uh, four receptions, five targets, 19 yards and zero. So yeah, I can already smell the disappointment for me in DFS that week um, and so on and so forth. Now interesting or one of the interesting things to this pattern is that, well, in his last game he got 6.8. A, uh, a dot 96 yards and a touchdown so apparently recency bias isn't working for us in that case but still um there is no pattern that i can find to this with deontay johnson or chase claypool both were getting reasonable consistent volume throughout the season it's not like his a dot started to rise as theirs fell or one of them got injured no no deontay johnson was injured or restricted there for a little while in the season but if you look at his overall stats week to week it's not like his opportunity goes down and Judas Smith-Schuster's goes up pretty in tandem, like in a, vacated, in a vacated targets kind of sense. This is pretty much the story of his whole uh, 2020 season. And again, I can't stress enough that if you see the total yards, which was bad, I get it, 831 yards according to Rotoviz, and a points per game of... 14.8 and he ended up being the wide receiver two in points per game on his team because Deontay Johnson was like a decimal place above him but they were pretty much the same interestingly enough that's happened to Juju Smith-Schuster throughout his entirety the entirety of his career when he started out if I remind you playing with Antonio Brown um but we'll get back to that either way yeah The points aren't there, and the yardage totals aren't there, and the counting stats aren't there. But when you consider the role he was given and the the schizophrenic nature of his opportunity bouncing up week to week from a 3A dot to an 8A dot, which again, 8 is relatively low for him, you see a player being incredibly efficient on a really low-value role, which wide receivers don't typically get high volume in because most can't do it. Most wouldn't be able to do it, and most teams wouldn't do it. Now, it's easy to blend this into a current narrative of Big Ben can't throw very far, 
but I'm not a quarterback evaluator and I didn't watch every snap and I don't really have data on the strength of Ben's arm uh, in 2020. And frankly, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson had higher ADOT, so I don't think we can entirely blame it on that. My At the end of the season, my, my story for the explanation of it was you put the player who can actually excel in that role in that position, which is a more unusual role that most players can't excel at, and the more traditional roles that the majority of good players can actually excel at, um, are Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is something else. Not mediocre, the opposite of mediocre. And to me, the comparison that comes to mind first is Stefan Diggs. I think we've seen similar levels of top 12 upside when he was on the team with Antonio Brown, still getting a 32 and a 37% uh, dominator rating those first two years with, uh, with Antonio Brown, operating at a 47 and 45, I think, 45% dominator rating those first two years. Again, good players tend to help each other. They just suck the volume and, and the air out the room from everyone else. And that's what happened with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. That's what happened with Juju Smith-Schuster and... Um, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown leaves and what we walk into is this weird situation where the quarterback goes down and so the value of that opportunity goes down and the first year Juju is actually on the team by himself and he himself only plays 12 games. Then we've got last year where you've got Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson and him pushed into this unusual role that he does incredibly well at. I think anyone watching Juju Smith-Schuster or saying right now he had a mediocre season don't want to call you counting stat watchers, but show me the other mediocre wide receivers who are able to get a 0.8 yards per team pass attempt, 14 points per game, and a 30% dominator rating with an ADOT of 5, and I'll say yes, he looks very mediocre compared to those players. Or you can just actually admit that no one plays at that volume in that role because no one can do it except apparently Juju Smith-Schuster. And that puts him in a non-mediocre, an unusual category. So I don't understand that reading of it. Anyway, so Stefan Diggs is the one that comes to mind. Stefan Diggs is also playing at an old age and actually holds a much higher value because he actually had another top 12 season last year. But he's the one that comes to mind because we've seen glimpses of Juju Smith-Schuster having that top 12's upside. Now, Kenny Galladay is the one that's on my mind right now because he's recently been traded to the Giants, um, and everyone wants to talk about vacated targets, and he has actually had, I wasn't aware, top 12 upside. In his third year, he finished as wide receiver 9 in overall PPR points, and I had forgotten that joy. He did it with 1,100-yard season, and I really don't think I put him in the category of the types of signal we've seen from Juju and Stefan Diggs before that moment, and yet it is there. It's just sitting there, so my lack of good memory shouldn't affect that and I'm a fan of Kenny Galladay I've just never seen him as someone shown the ability to be as efficient even in a target squeeze situation he hasn't elevated or played out of his situation as someone put it to me on Patreon um, recently he's not someone who's going to be a top 12 wide receiver no matter what because he's Calvin Johnson instead he's someone who's very good who can dominate a situation but can't elevate his production in a mediocre situation like Juju Smith-Schuster, Stefan Diggs, and Antonio Brown, although he always had positive situations to be fair, and so on and so forth. I've never seen that evidence from Galladay, or I've never felt like it until I noticed that year three. 
to be fair. But again, even in that year, his yards per team pass attempt was 1.2. That's good. That's not exceptional. Stefan Diggs, we've seen evidence of a 1.5 yards per team pass attempt last year, and Juju Smith-Schuster had 1.4 yards per team pass attempt in his second season, in that 1,400-yard season. And even if you want to go raw through receiving yards, Galladay was a little more, must have been, let me... Let me just check that before I say it, like, live on a podcast. Yeah, he was a little more efficient in touchdowns that year because with only 1,100 yards, he was catching a touchdown every 108 yards. And most wide receivers operate a slightly higher uh, efficiency than that. Interestingly enough, in Pittsburgh last year, all three wide receivers were operating um, at a high level of efficiency in terms of touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster was actually scoring a touchdown for every 92 yards. And Chase Claypool was a touchdown for every 70 yards, if memory serves. And I think Deontay Johnson was fairly similar in terms of actually 132 yards. For some reason, I remember that number um, for every touchdown. Most wide receivers operate within a range of around 130 to 200 yards per touchdown. And so anything below 130-ish yards um, is scoring too many touchdowns for the number of yards you're getting. Well, not too many, but you're being efficient in them, if you see what I mean. So that's that was actually a f- feature of Pittsburgh, and there's something like regression coming for that entire touchdown core. But remember that Juju Smith-Schuster, despite what happened last year, by the end of the season, even though it didn't feel like it was the one who earned the larger role on this piddly little tiny A dot, only getting uh, uh, the ball, uh, you know, on average five yards past the line of scrimmage, which just isn't enough, even if you're good. Um, without a large touchdown role, and everyone on the team was operating in, uh, in pure efficiency come to touchdown, so that was harder. Where was I? Oh, yeah. The other player that comes to mind, especially when I'm thinking about Kenny Galladay, is Odell Beckham. Obviously, we saw just top 12 upside throughout his first three years. Then he moves to the Browns, and everything kind of fades. He has shown an ability to still maintain a high target share, um, even though he's had injury concerns and availability issues since going there. Um, over the last three years, he's had 29 26 and 22% of the target share, which is a wide receiver one target share, even though he's been playing as a wide receiver two in points per game the last two seasons to the, the erstwhile... Don't know why I called him erstwhile. Jarvis Landry. Um, and yeah, no one needs the last few years of Odo Beckham explained to him. However, Odo Beckham is the negative point on the Kenny Galladay going to the Giants narrative. Um, as I was explaining my YouTube channel recently, um, and as I did in that Vacated Targets article a few years ago, players tend to lose opportunity slightly and production slightly when they go to a new team the following year, even if they're traded in their prime as a wide receiver one from the team they're coming to. But if you look at both lists, there's a high level of free agency movements on the decreased list and a high level of trade candidates on the um, improved list. For example, Stefan Diggs and Deshaun Watson last year, both obviously, well, to Sean Watson, damn it. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins actually um, maintained his opportunity. Stefan Diggs increased it, and I think that's what you're seeing with the types of signal we saw from Stefan Diggs sans Adam Thielen. And I have liked to encourage the idea that those two players were helping each other, and I do believe that, but as I said with Odo Beckham and Jarvis Landry in college, I do think it limits each other's ceilings when they play very similar roles 
going back to Jews for Schuster, on the same team. It helps them, but it somewhat limits the maximum uh, level of their upside. Targets aren't vacated, but they're not entirely created either, ended up being my uh, conclusion in that article. It's more created by the player and how good they are, but it's not entirely that. There is a mat- matter of restricted opportunity based on Uh, the players on the depth chart, it just happens at such a high level that mostly where we talk about vacated targets, it becomes irrelevant. It's not like the wide receiver three in the team last year is going to get more opportunity because all these targets are laying on the floor. It's more like if you have two players like Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown or Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen or Odo Beckham and Jarvis Landry on the same team, they're going to suck all the air out the room for everyone else and there's only so many passing attempts So with both of them being there, while it helps the team improve overall and therefore create more passing opportunity, it doesn't mean there's infinite potential for them to get 150 targets each, except in the best of all possible circumstances. Which, to be fair, once upon a time, Ben Roethlisberger might have and actually was for Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. But but no matter how strong his arm is right now, I, I think it's safe to say that's it's probably not the case now, but still, Jacob Bricker probably rolling his eyes at me right now, so I'm moving on. All right, so why am I talking about the, all these players? Honestly, because they kind of fall into line for me. These are the players that come to mind, even though they are operating at slightly different ages. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be 25 next year. Kenny Golladay is 27. Stefan Diggs is going to be heading up there to 28, I think, next year. Otto Beckham's going to be close to 29 if not actually 29 by the time the season starts that's from memory so you might want to check me on that um so yeah that's in order juju kenny uh stefan and odell that's age order which also offers some value for juju smith schuster but there are interesting comparables across a lot i think kenny galladay has shown the least top 12 upside of all three but he's also been the wide receiver one for at least two of his career career years, and Juju Smith-Schuster, even though it being a technicality, is more played as a uh, wide receiver two in terms of points per game, even if he's played as an opportunity wide receiver one consistently since Antonio Brown has left. Um, so, yeah, they both have question marks on that top 12 profile. Stefan Diggs played as a wide receiver one several years, even with Stefan, with Adam Thielen on the team, two with... Two as a wide receiver one, two as a wide receiver two. And that kind of tells the story of how they were passing back and forward opportunity as well. All right. Um, the real reason, well, not the real reason, but leading on from that, uh, I went to look at my personal uh, draft tracker thing, which looks up certain stats and lets me know, you know, if players are falling or who's still available when I'm going through a draft instead of having to remember everything. Um, and what I found is Juju Smith-Schuster and Kenny Galladay um, are kind of operating in this fourth, fifth round ADP range. Now, this is where we get to what I think the he's overrated or overvalued in the Dynasty community story comes from. And I think an accurate way of maybe understanding what people mean, because I, I honestly don't understand what people mean when they say wide receiver is deep. It's not deep. There are 12 of them in the top 12. There are 24 of them in the top 24, and if you have more than that in your top 24, then you're just, you know, it's like a commitment problem. You're not willing to go out on a limb and name the actual 24. Instead, you want to name 36 because you don't want to miss, I guess. 
But here's the thing. I think most people operate their teams that way. While ADP and rankings can only have 12 top wide receivers and 24 top wide receivers on your team, you can value them more as wide receiver one. Like, you can have as many wide receivers 18s as you want on your team. And I think that's the disconnect between ADP and real value when you go to trade for players. Juju Smith-Schuster, everyone remembers that season, despite the fact ADP suggests everyone's forgetting it. His value has done nothing but tank in terms of ADP since that second year. In fact, since his first year, it's done nothing but decrease. No, since that second year is a better way of saying it, because it showed a slight increase before that. Obviously, a 1,400-yard season will do that. But if you go to trade for him... He's going to be in this fourth, fifth round value in the same way that Jamar Chase is, in the same way that Brandon Ayuk hopefully is, because hopefully you know he had a good rookie season, and that's a positive thing for a player, even if he's in San Francisco. But the other players in this fourth round range, is it's a really interesting range in terms of ADP, because you've got Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, Adam Robinson, Chase Claypool, and Brandon Ayuk, and Juju Smith-Schuster, and he's in the middle there somewhere. And I think he's the one people are going to hold with both hands tighter because he's 25 years old and he's more proven than Ayuk and Claypool, even though Claypool's in the same situation. Let's just ignore that for a second. Mike Evans is also in this fourth round range for wide receivers. Um, so I think Mike Evans is probably a lot easier to get in trade because there's not a big upside narrative around him. We've kind of seen He's had his upside. He had his upside last year. And it's a little easier to trade when you don't think there's hidden upside. But if Judas Smith-Schuster is trading at this value, that's not underrated, even if his ranking as wide receiver, what is this? This would be wide receiver 20, is vastly efficient. Like, I would love to buy Judas Smith-Schuster ideally at wide receiver 20 prices, but that's a fourth-round ADP. And when you go to trade for them, they're not going to value them as wide receiver 20. 20 they're going to value them as wide receiver as a fourth round startup pick and that's the disconnect even though he's wide receiver 20 he's not wide receiver 20 when you go to trade for someone you're in a league so a solution for this is to find two players in this range who you like whether it's Mike Evans and Juju Smith-Schuster or Amari Cooper and Juju Smith-Schuster or any pairing as long as it's got Juju Smith-Schuster in it because that makes me personally happy which is obviously everyone's goal um, and send offers on both if you're looking to trade for wide receivers the other annoying thing is I'm rarely looking to trade for wide receivers and I got lots of Juju last year so I'm good however while looking at this this crux of round four wide receivers that made them very interesting and I really think their value is going to be higher than their their wide receiver ranking value in ADP um, and look, thinking about Odo Beckham and how his career has played out in comparison to Judas Schuster, I noticed this round seven range um, in round seven according to DLF March ADP so I'm already a little behind because Kenny Golladay has been traded and the whole ADP is hopefully going to increase I'm going to get back to that that's a note for myself. Um, you've got Odo Beckham, Will Fuller, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, who I've got no idea why he's down here, by the way, and Michael Pittman. But obviously, you're all going to ignore Michael Pittman because, you know, you like to make me happy. And Terrence Marshall, also ignore that. Still, this is a more interesting buy range. This 7th, 8th round ADP range with Odo Beckham and Will Fuller, I think these players also still have that upside and the I think they'll be trading at a lower value in that seventh round. So for wide receivers, that's kind of where I'm shopping, which is unfortunate. Anyway, 
To go back to this range, though, and why I think I might be slightly off in my Kenny Galladay dislike because I don't like vacated targets is because I'm thinking about it in terms of bad narratives about targets, when in fact, I think Kenny Galladay is probably going to maintain and could increase if the team improves, and I think he's now surrounded by better ancillary talent, we just have to hope that mediocre, below mediocre QB play from, uh, I nearly said Drew Locke, but someone finally noticed that I did that. So Daniel Jones um, on the Giants doesn't hurt a team so much. Actually, that's going to be an interesting story in 2021 because the offense is built in such a way that there are going to be very few excuses for me, for below average QB play, not having a drastic effect on skill position players if that happens. And I fear that might be the case, which is why I'm a little hesitant and leaning on the average of Kenny Galladay maintaining, maybe even slightly decreasing overall production. But here's the thing, that might be the wrong take to spit, because in this range, Kenny Galladay is actually a fifth round player. And I think, despite what my little Twitter bubble makes me think, I think Kenny Galladay might be of lower value in most leagues. If you were to send an offer on Juju Smith-Schuster and Kenny Galladay, I think you'd be more likely to get a response from the Kenny Galladay owner. Because Juju Smith-Schuster is surrounded in mystery and lost upside, and that makes you think anything you trade him for is going to be too low. Whereas Kenny Galladay is surrounded by hype and bad narratives about vacated targets right now. Now, I would pay less for Kenny Galladay than I would for Judas Smith-Schuster, so I agree with that. But I think they have the similar range of outcomes in 2021, so you just kind of want the cheaper one. So if you're interested in buying either, I would send trade offers because I don't know what your mileage is. I don't know what, who is in your league on both Juju or Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, and Robson. I'm using Juju in the fourth round and Kenny Galladay and see which one bites if I was trading for wide receivers at that higher value level. Um, and yeah, that was my thought. Juju Smith-Schuster is very good. I don't, I honestly don't know where the narrative, although I have seen some places, I don't really feel like it's my place to call out professional paid people who do sports analysis. And maybe he just looks bad on tape. Maybe he should look for tape players and he's forgotten how to catch and he doesn't run very nice or something. But in terms of his production on the opportunity he's getting, he's maintained a unique ability to produce in unusual roles and co-opt a large share of the offense, which is kind of what we like and look for as a signal of what makes a good player. The only way to say that Juju Smith-Schuster is a below average or mediocre player is to redefine the way we actually highlight which players are good and bad in statistics, as far as I can tell. Now again... One potential note is that he was operating at 0.8 yards per team attempt, which is, I think, the closest we can get to yards per route run, which I kind of hate because it's all paywall and stuff, and yards per team attempt is sticky, it's predictive, and it's a very fun number. I like it. But 0.8 is around average. It's an averageish number. But how can you look at that level of efficiency in roll blend and not say, but the roll was five yards past the line of scrimmage and not notice that's at least an uneven comparison. Even if you don't make the second step of noticing that doing what most players do on average with half the level of value in your opportunity is actually pretty impressive. But okay, at least at least you could note that he was about as good as most players are going to be last year 
with two of the players going off for around 14 points per game as well. So where are my vacated, where the vacated target truth is when you have to go the other way, right? You know? Anyway. Um, so I think he's still very good. Despite the lack of counting stats, I don't mind that he's returning to Pittsburgh at all because, again, I think he's going to beat ev- out everyone on the team for more opportunity, as he has done every year. If Big Ben can throw the ball that many times still, um, I do think there's touchdown regression to go around for this offense, and therefore Judas Smith-Schuster is more likely to earn more opportunity will be the one to maintain his production better. But... Deontay and Chase have proven to be decent players. I think Chase is more likely to drop off because he was the most heavily touchdown dependent. And that's always going to regress. But, yeah, it's an awkward situation. I'm still, quote-unquote, buying Juju Smith-Schuster. I want to be on the record. For 2021, no matter what happens, as, yeah, I called that guy as being good, like I was last year. And it kind of kicked me in the butt a little bit. But his current value right now is just awkward. It depends on your league. I would send offers to find out what's going on in your league. If I can get him for anywhere like a first or under the price of two firsts, I think that's a steal. But I also kind of think that's a steal for Kenny Galladay. Um, I know I can get Odo Beckham for less than that, and I'm interested in it. Um, and Stefan Diggs is worth more than that, which is what brings me us down to Juju Smith-Schuster and Kenny Galladay. But yeah, definitely check out ADP on DLF and check out that fourth round range. I would be interested in my own leagues to see which of the players in that range, because I have arguments for top 12 upside, has the lowest value in my particular league. Anyway, uh, and also Juju Smith-Schuster is great and people should start saying he's great. So yeah. There you go. Um, all right, I'm out of here. Thanks very much for checking out. If you did, if you didn't, I don't know why I keep talking to you. It's like you just want to break my heart, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks very much. I'll talk to you again next week. Uh, catch you in the streets, I guess. I don't know. Have fun. Bye. Thanks. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.